All right, well, who is excited to be at church tonight? That's good. Me too. So who's uh, wondering what we're doing up here in these nice uh, bar stools? Okay, that sounds like some nervous laughter. Uh, well, we, uh, we felt prompted, and really I felt prompted, rather. Uh, I, was on a, I was gone last week and was at one of my best friend's weddings uh, down in Arizona and had more time than I would have liked in a car, and been reflecting a lot upon where we are at as a community. And the reality is that we have had extraordinary growth. I don't even know the percentage. It's been a lot. And we have very quickly gone from a very intimate, small setting to bigger and bigger and three services and things going. And the reality is that there are issues with that. We're, we're trying to, uh, we're a new wineskin in the way we're doing church. And that's exciting and it has energy and it has momentum attached to it. But there's also the reality that there has been tension in a lot of things that we are wrestling with on a daily basis as a staff. And I felt very strongly that the Lord wanted us to create a space to really bring you into our processing so that you as the congregation can get into our hearts, our mind to understand why are we doing the things we're doing? What is the goal? What is the intentionality? What are we trying to weave and create with the Lord and weave together, you know, to form this tapestry that we're slowly, piece by piece by piece, getting to see unfold? So we are going to do a panel and uh, with uh, these three lovely staff members who uh, most of you may, you may not know, but these are the first four employees of Riverhouse Church right here. So... Um, they have all been very foundational in different areas of this uh, community and this culture we've created and have been here all since the beginning. And um, I'm sure most of you recognize their faces and I'll let them perhaps even share uh, some of their story here, but they've all been here since day one and uh, not all Jordan and Susanna. Well, Jordan was on staff, but he wasn't paid anything. So I don't know what that's called. Um, and and uh, but Susanna did not start. So really, we, I guess you weren't either. I guess I wasn't either actually now that I think about it. So, you know, we didn't come in glamorous positions, but we have seen the Lord do a thing. And we find ourselves in these roles. And so I want to invite them uh, to help speak to this as well and really try to identify who are we. We're talking about identity. We need to know that personally. But who are we as Riverhouse? What is this wineskin? What is this culture that God is creating here that, that's drawing us, that's growing us, right? There's grace to it, but we've got to learn to understand it. Um, and so... I'm just going to start by presenting this idea, and then I'm going to ask some questions, and we're just going to have a conversation to try to just bring you into our processing, like I said. And so we've used, um, I've used this a number of times in the vision sermons, talking about that we're a two-space church. And when I'm saying that, that means as far as weekly ministries, we have two, we have two ministries that we do on a consistent basis, and that is church on Sundays, you're here, and that, that includes a lot of different ministries, but that's kind of one umbrella. And then the second umbrella is that we uh, do revival groups, and that is the one and primary ministry that we champion as far as a, uh, a weekly uh, rhythmic um, ministry. And so I want to just, we're going to start and just define uh, both of these spaces and really what we do coming into them. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on Sundays, um, but I felt it was worthwhile to at least speak a little to why do we gather and what is our heart in the gathering here on a Sunday night. And so um, I asked Jordan if he would share first and just share your perspective on worship, maybe the posture that you come into it, and really, you know, what is your expectation when you're coming to, uh, to worship the Lord like we just did? Yeah, awesome. So this definitely pertains to worship music, but just really in general, too, like why we're at church. Um, and really, I just feel like our, our primary um, ministry and our primary goal um, in this space is really to minister to the Lord. Um, and what that really means is, um, like, we sing some songs of, like, like, here I am, like, here's all of me, you can have it all, Lord. Um, like, nothing here is hidden. So basically, it's, it's revealing and bringing everything that we are, um, everything, all of our great things about us, all of our failures, all of our struggles, all of our successes and triumphs. And we, we say, here it is, here's who I am. Now take it, mold it, and give it back to me. Um, and, and we've talked about this before, but basically it's like when, when we worship the Lord, um, it's our joy and our honor and our purpose to give him everything that we are. And those beautiful things um, that we receive in return, right? We, we get joy and we, we feel love. We feel loved and we feel um, emotion. We feel connected. We feel intimate. All these things. Um, those aren't, you don't earn those by worshiping. 
Um, those are byproducts and gifts of what God does. He gifts those to us when we worship him. And um, he's this imagery of like a cup. As we pour ourselves out more, there's more room for him to fill it with who he is. Um, so really, yeah, our goal um, is to do what we were created to do. It's to commune with God. It's to minister to God's soul as he, commun- as he ministers to us. It's a two-way road. Um, yeah. And, and what makes you, as a worship leader, what is maybe your most joyful moment as you're standing on the stage? Like the most joyful moment? Oh, geez. There's been, there's been so many times where, I, I, there, honestly, I get so, like, radically ministered to every time we lead worship. I just, like, I'm always getting messed up, and it's beautiful. So I love it. Like, this is my favorite thing to do. Uh, but really, really what always hits me um, is really like Jesus' canonic love, right? Like it's, it's self-emptying and it, it cares about others more than himself. And so when I see a congregation and you guys who I deeply love, like I do this job not because like, oh, I really, we'll talk about this later, not because I really wanted to in the first place or because I get paid a lot of money. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do it because I love you guys so, so much. I love my team so, so much. I love this staff more than I've ever known how to love anybody else more. And um, when I see people getting it, and I see people just like receiving and engaging and feeling loved and pouring themselves out, um, the image that I used last service was when I hear the worship rise from the back of the room. When, when, uh, like my goal and my job is to work myself out of a job. Right, we just pray for a nameless and a faceless revival. So you guys, you encounter worship, and you look at the team, and you don't remember Jordan or Lydia or whoever else is on the team. You remember you encountered and you saw the face of Jesus. Um, so when I hear the worship rising from the back, and I'm not having to lead it anymore, that's when I know that we're doing it right. That's so good, so good. Kind of turns that, you know, we're creators. Worship is this act of creativity, of self-giving. And there is such a fullness that takes place when we've talked about it in staff meetings where literally it's like we, as if, it was as if the surge came from somewhere other than the stage. And like, that's Jesus, you know? So beautiful. Uh, the other, you know, big component of a Sunday night would be a sermon, which predominantly, uh, that's my role here. And, you know, I believe that Jesus, like, I want to give, the, I believe it's Isaiah 53. It talks about, like, bringing the anointed word that will sustain the weary. And so my biggest priority and mandate that I feel every week and I take very seriously is how do we make sure that what is being communicated here is an anointed word straight from the mouth of Jesus, the right word in the right season, which Proverbs says is a cool breeze, like a cool breeze on a summer day. And so we want the anointing to be spoken here and that we're actually worshiping still through giving presence and listening. Right? So it's actually an act of worship and honoring Jesus that I'm going to be so present that I'm going to listen. And not just for what's being spoken, but what, what you're whispering. You know, I heard it said once that the true author knows it's the whisper between the lines that he writes that really make the impact on the reader. And I believe it's the same in a sermon. It's the whisper between the words spoken. And that comes in the anointing. And so, you know, we're, I'm, I'm always thinking, and the reality is that there are times, the reason that there's other people on this stage preaching is because I'm not the anointed one to speak on that evening, or I'm not the one with the perspective, or the word, or the correction, or the direction, or whatever it is that Jesus is wanting to speak. And so tonight, if I would have preached tonight, it would not have been what Jesus wanted to speak, right? He wanted to speak in this way. And so my hope, my heart, and even as we gather is the Lord is training us how to honor the point and recognize his voice when he's speaking. And so I'll just be honest and disclose to you, one of the things that hurts my heart the most is when I hear, and and this word gets to me, and, and we're aware that there's this, if Jordan's not preaching syndrome, and I don't like to come to church if Jordan's not preaching, or, you know, this disappointment and to me, it just grieves my heart. It's like, this is not about Jordan. This is about Jesus. And you're speaking. And if you want to speak through a five-year-old 
on the, in the children's church, then that's where I want to hear your voice. And so if we're to be a people that are so in tune with his whisper, we have to learn how do we honor the point and recognize Jesus in each and every person, right? And so that is what we are just, that's every week I'm listening, Lord, how do you want to speak? Who do you want to speak through? What is it that you're desiring to communicate? You know, and there's churches, probably the foremost of which, which embodies this would be Bethel Church in Reading. They have so many dynamic speakers. And the amazing thing is I've been there a handful of times. It does not matter who's speaking. I get deeply ministered to. And there are so many voices that have been raised up and sent out. And to me, that is the message we're wanting to embody as Riverhouse. This is a people movement. This isn't about one person who can minister in the anointing. This is about a Jesus who uses ordinary clay jars to do extraordinary things. And I believe that one of the ways we start breaking these mindsets of this separation we make between the pulpit and the pew is we have to learn to honor that Jesus speaks through anyone and everyone. And we honor that amongst the staff. And really, I challenge you to invite you into rethinking your paradigm that who are we coming to listen to on a Sunday night? It is Jesus. And sometimes, you know, Jordan's had times when we don't, it's silent. That's because Jesus is wanting that. So what's he speaking through the silence, right? What's he speaking through this gift? What's he speaking through this person? What's he speaking Right? He is so creative, and it is not limited to one person. And I, and I just, we, we will be multi-voiced. We will be multi-centric because it's the mandate of this house. Right? We're a powerful people. Right? Amen? Amen. Is that fair? Yes. All right, so that's Sundays. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of other stuff that goes into Sunday, but we really want to take a turn to talk about our second space here, and that is what we call revival groups which are communities that are centered on prayer, family, and mission. And really, this is, this is our ministry. We don't, we don't have other ones. This is not one of the silos of many. This is what we do. And Pastor Robin, Pastor Mom, uh, this is what she has poured a lot of time and passion and love into. And so I just want to hear your heart on what do revival groups mean to you. Yeah, so revival groups are so important because... We really, I mean, the more heaven invades earth, the more that earth is filled with healthy families, right? And so more than anything is we are after healthy families that usher in the presence and the love of God. And it is really hard to create that on a Sunday. And so revival groups are that place where we really come into a family that has brave communication, a family that knows one another. When we come together in these groups, we're not only like seeking God, we're not only praying together, we're having meals together, we're playing volleyball together, we're going out in the streets and ministering together. And so we're doing life and we get to know one another. We talk, we get vulnerable, we know your strengths, we know your fears, we know the prophetic words over your life. And so we can champion you. Your leaders get to know you in an intimate way. They know when you're not there. They can contact you. It's too hard to know when somebody's missing on a Sunday. But if you're missing on a Thursday, you're going to be known and you're going to be missed. And, and so we can keep you pulled into the family. And so Revival Groups is a place where we can go and be vulnerable. We can develop deep intimacy with one another. And that's the heart of our church. Like, that is what we want. And so it's so just good. so important that we become a part of the family that really is walking in intimacy together. Okay, so anything to add to that? Also, um, we have this. You can text 88202 with the keyword river, and you can text questions. <laughs> Megan thinks that's funny. Uh, but if you have questions at any point throughout this, text them in, and then we're going to spend the last five, ten minutes addressing your questions. So uh, they're being forwarded to this, so I'm not being distracted. I'm actually looking at questions. Uh, and you can text those in at any point. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure, I'll add to that. Um, basically, the, the community that we experience on a Sunday night um, is amazing and it's beautiful, but it's an incomplete part of the picture of what community looks like um, in the Christian faith and what we get to um, enjoy really, once again, as a gift of what we were created for, which is communion, um, is community. Um, we reflect God's heart. Actually, we look like him when we love people around us well. 
Um, and so I'll, a lot of times I'll hear kind of a perspective or see it um, on a Sunday night, which is either side, there's a pendulum. On one side says, um, like, it's just me and God here on Sunday night. And it's like, I hear this all the time in worship. It's like, oh, God, it's just you and me. And I'm like, no, that's so, so incomplete. Like, there's so much missing from that. Like, we get to, uh, we get to see and experience part, parts of who God is reflected in other people, right? Like, my job as a worship leader isn't to sing every song. It's to empower people and to get you guys to see who God is inside of Lydia, who God is inside of Michelle, who God is inside of Claire, and whoever's playing the instruments or whatever. And it's like, um, if it was just me... I'm the first one to say that would suck compared to like having an amazing group of people that are radically embodying who Jesus is. Um, so there's either just me in here, which is, or there's on the other side, which says like, this is my extent of community is a Sunday night service. Um, and that's just, you're, you're missing out because I'll, I'll use an analogy that I, I thought of this morning. Um, how many of you guys, raise your hand if you've been on a, a short-term mission trip, like a one to two week, like mission trip. This, okay, sweet. A lot of people. Um, so you guys will know what I'm talking about. There's kind of this um, phenomenon where you will go and you'll encounter something very intimate together, and it's really powerful and it's good. Um, and you'll come home and you'll be like, oh, I love these people that I went on this team with. Like, I love my team so much. I'm going to be their best friend till the day we die. And uh, like two weeks later, you're just kind of like, well, I don't really talk to that person anymore. Uh, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Can I get like, there's some, yeah, there's nods going on. Uh, so it's like that, guys. So when we come to church and we encounter something intimate and something beautiful in worship, in a sermon, amongst each other, um, we're encountering something that really is intimate and beautiful. It's not, I'm not negating that at all. Um, but that's an incomplete picture. We're not getting the full picture of community and what it looks like to live together. So we would be missing out if this was the extent of what it meant um, to be in community with one another. So it takes a lot of intentionality outside of the church walls. Yeah, and one of the things that is confusing sometimes is we uh, there's a huge phenomena in a Western church of like small groups. I mean, who's been a part of a small group at another church, right? They're great ministries. Um, God's breathed upon them. They were birthed in revival, actually. A lot of people don't know that. They came out of kind of a revival movement um, back in the day. Um, but we are not creating small groups. These are not small groups, and these are not Bible studies. Uh, these are communities. These are like house churches, subcultures within Riverhouse that are uniquely expressing different aspects of the kingdom mandate to our city. So they're not, they're not supposed to be like, a, you know, a lot of them are going on an every other week rhythm now. So they're just to be hubs and centering points where people come together, do life. And a lot of times there's other things going on throughout the week or missional engagement or different aspects. So these are, these are to be communities where you're known, seen, and championed. Uh, they're not just a small group where you're going to talk about five different questions of the sermon. I personally don't think that God's answer to the aching pain and sickness of our culture is more sermons. I think it is people that are cultivating what is taking place and then expressing that missionally. And so really that leads me to my next question that I'm going to um, pose to Susanna is that um, why are we only doing two spaces? Why not seven spaces or, you know, 25 or 50 different ministries? You know, the list can go on and on. Why only two? Yeah, so um, just from the very beginning of us just processing with the Lord what we wanted this space to be about, like we said, there are many churches that do Bible studies or have programs or small groups or women's ministries and things like that, and those are all beautiful. But as we were processing with the Lord what we wanted Riverhouse to be about and what we felt like he was speaking to us, we really wanted to be intentional about protecting your time because we believe that God has called us to be a missional church. So we've been speaking to this a lot lately, and hopefully it's getting really into our DNA. But we want to do Sundays really, really well. We want to come together and, as we talked about, gather and, and minister unto the Lord and be encouraged in community. And we want to have the Thursday nights or whenever revival group are as a time for us to cultivate that love in community. That's really important. But we don't want to spend all of our time in these different silos of ministry. So all of a sudden we're at church seven times a week and we're, we're focusing all of our energy and attention on production and I think, honestly, the evangelical church has kind of tended to do this, where we, we try to get people inside the church doors, and we almost equate evangelism to inviting people to church. 
And the gospel is so incarnational. Literally, if we consider Jesus, we have this God who embraces time and space and context. And he literally submits himself to humanity, into culture, walks into culture. And then he lives out life in culture. And of course, Jesus was praying all the time. Of course, he was spending time with the Father and with the believers. But he was also engaged in culture in a way that is representative of how we're supposed to be. And so I heard it said this way, and I thought it was beautiful. The gospel or mission is an extended meditation on the gospel. So when we're engaging in mission, we're literally just meditating on what Jesus did and who Jesus was. And he was somebody who was incarnationally engaged in culture. All that to say, we really want our church to be, to really not create a space, but create a lack of space for you to go out into culture and to be incarnational in your workplace, on your running group, on Saturdays, at the grocery store, whatever it is. So that's why. That's so good. So really, it is the primacy of mission. And, you know, we are river house. So river is a movement. And we are a people movement first. And then the house, the church, the organizational structure is designed to support that movement and not vice versa. And so we do not want a whole bunch of organizational maintenance because that becomes static when a river is organic and flowing full of life and rushing and it can take turns and sometimes it floods the banks and sometimes it gets messy but it is a powerful force of nature that shapes environments and we believe that God are his people we are a powerful force of, of with the divine nature everything within us through the Holy Spirit of God that God wants to shape this city and sometimes that doesn't look planned. Sometimes that, you know, that, that just looks like people being alive to what God's doing. And so we do not want you to get bogged down by endless church ministry. And we don't want you, we don't want to tempt you into thinking you're fulfilling the great commission by coming to church five days a week. Right? Honestly, one of the burdens I carry, I think about it at night sometimes, is Lord, in 25 years, I don't want to wake up one day and said, all we did is we created this really, really good Christian environment. It's like we have to be expressed missional. We have to transform a city. We have, we have, everything we're doing here has to result in fruitfulness out there. Or at the end of the day, I'm going to look back and say, what did I miss? Where was I blind? So this, this is really coming from a deep passion and an intentionality that we're, we're trying to do something different. And like Susanna said, it's a lack of space because we believe God doesn't want the space here. He wants the space. He wants to force us out there. And so as we've implemented this model of simplicity, which um, every time we've shared this, and um, you can, can you scroll right back to that, that text just for a second or that um, this? So we've shared the vision, right? So this is the revival group vision where the church is the hub, revival groups are the subcultures that are engaging with the different aspects of culture. And uh, there's so much resonance, right? Um, we, you know, we have po- people listening to the podcast from across the nation, and I've had pastors tell me, "This is this is amazing." Like, you know, this this we, we love how you guys are thinking and how you guys are, you know, doing this, and we hear that from here um, from you guys as well. But we've also found that this this is a new paradigm, and it's had its challenges. And the biggest thing that we're um, in dealing with um, and, and, and we're hearing of is that one, and we're aware, is that there's not a lot of place for ministry leadership, right? There's not like Bible studies and small groups and Awanas and puppets and th- like the list, are, right? On and on and on and on and on. <laughs> Right? Like River House Church, we don't have like this huge plethora of ministries. So what we do have is a huge, um, like all these amazing, powerful people that are coming. So we're trying to, we're, there's this question going on, which is where's my place? Where's my niche? How do I serve the vision of this church? Right? Does, does that resonate? Right? And, um, and we're, in, in, and so in this wrestling, um, I believe that there, this is a discomfort and a tension that the Lord is actually designing to push us out into culture. Because I believe what God is desiring is not necessarily just promotion in the church. He's wanting to give us promotion in the city, right? So in the same way that we would serve the church because I want to have more leadership in the, in, in the organization of the church, I believe God is actually, no, no, no. I want you to serve the city so that you will get promotion within the city. Does that make sense? 
right? We're wanting to bring the kingdom to the city. And I'm just going to share an example, um, and I, I hope this is okay, but my, Mike Evenson here, you can raise your hand, mighty man of God. You know, we, we were talking this week, and God's just been burning in him this passionate desire for men's ministry, and it was amazing. And in this conversation, I, I don't even know, this blessed me, so he doesn't know I'm sharing this. I might get in trouble. <laughs> I'll buy you golf sometime or something. <laughs> but, you know, it was like he was talking and he shared this kind of light bulb moment where it was as if, like, I, I, God had spoken to me to do this ministry and I intuitively went, I need to go and figure out how the church can build this ministry. But then he starts sharing, but then I have this desire to go and start mentoring with these men that are in less fortunate situations and hearing their story and loving them. And it was like this. Aha, like, I am equipped and empowered by God to actually go do what he's calling me to do, right? So it's like we've almost had this, this, this ecosystem in the church where we've been hardwired that when God speaks to me to do something, I need to go and meet with my pastors and, and get them to help make it for me so that I can do it. Does that make sense? So it's like, Oh, well, God's telling me we need, to, we need to be taking care of the homeless. So what is Riverhouse doing to take care of the homeless? It's like, you are Riverhouse. You are the people movement. Go and create it, right? We are an entrepreneurial church. This church was started through a risk of faith that God spoke a word. We stepped out with our knees knocking in faith to see what God could do. And we do not want this to be this place where you then have to come and it kind of coddles you into, like no one coddled this church into existence, right? We want this to be a launch pad. We want this environment to be this catalyzing place where the spirit of God speaks to you and you are inspired to go step out into the city and create what God has called you to do so that God can use you to bring the kingdom into Boise, Idaho. <laughs> And you got <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys want to want to speak to anything there. Yeah, and it's so exciting. As I shared with a group a couple days ago, when we first started the church, I knew everything was going on because I either planned it or was cheerleading for it. And now it's crazy because there is so much happening. And I hear through the grapevine about something new that somebody started this and somebody's leading women in this new group and teaching single women how to step into, you know, a different way of life. And, and it's incredible because I, I was sharing with Kim, I just have to let go because so much is going on now that I'm not going to be able to know about all of it. And I'm just going to bless it. Because so many of you are grabbing hold of it. Megan, this girl, she's creating constantly and coming up with new ways of blessing people and ministering. And, and so it really is happening. And as your pastor, I just want to honor every single person who has stepped into the call that God has on them and is finding clever and creative ways to make it happen. Well done. Keep going. It's beautiful to watch. Um, so, so this uh, revival groups are designed, right? We're like uh, what we're dreaming of them is being these hubs where people come together, they they pour their lives in, they become family, and so much ministry and life and mission is created from it, right? And like an example of this, uh, just is the Meridian Revival Group. They uh, the men, I believe it was it was Scott and Justin and, and Mike. Uh, kind of birthed this men's retreat and the spirit of God blew the place up. I was like, dang, I wish I was there. And the testimonies I heard were amazing. And like, that was not us. That wasn't the staff. That is solely resting upon the shoulders of, of the Meridian Rival Group. They created, they stepped out and God showed up. And like, that is like a prototypical example. That's a testimony of what we are dreaming is going to continue to take place through these different revival group hubs where through just, all right, we heard God and we're going to step out and create and see what he does. And so with that, the beautiful thing is that there's space 
for many people to go plug in, pour out and express your passion within a community and be used to build the kingdom and, and, and build the church as well. And so we're really wanting these to be hubs of these, um, you know, creativity. And kind of the flow of authority of how we, we're structuring things is as River House, right, we do Sundays and we try to do them very well. And then we have, a, you know, a... a a few conferences throughout the year. We do the journey to wholeness, kind of inner healing stuff. And we, we have a few sprinkling of events, right? And we try to get those out on a calendar like six to 12 months in advance. It's probably closer to six than it is 12, but we're growing. And, you know, and so outside of that, we tell revival group leaders, you have permission to create with just, you know, here's what we're doing. It's this thing, this throughout the year. You can create outside of that, right? And so then it's the space that you as the congregation can go plug into these communities, serve the vision of your leaders, and watch God create space to promote your voice, promote your passion, and just bring synergy and expression um, through the people of God out, you know, and then express it out into the city. And so that's kind of what we're, we're wanting to see. And a lot of people are, are asking, you know, how do I get plugged in? It's revival groups. That is the best way that you can get plugged in. You know, and, and again, I asked, I asked Jordan to share a little bit of his journey of promotion within Riverhouse because uh, he came when the church was very small, about the size of a revival group, uh, actually smaller than most of the revival groups we have. And, uh, and, and he uh, had a journey that has, God has exalted him within it. And I just asked that he would share, and I think my mom will probably speak to it a little bit as well. So. So this is just to encourage anybody who's like, like, where's my place? How do I start this journey? Um, and really my, my journey here was um, I never intended to do worship or uh, to do youth ministry, which is really what I came on for. Um, I, was used, I, I was gunning for Jordan's job. I was ready to be senior pastor. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm totally kidding. That's not true. <laughs> it was an April Fool's one time. I said, hey, dude, I'm moving. Another church tried to hire me. He's like, oh, your job looks stupid easy anyway. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, you didn't fall for the joke. <laughs> it's totally joking. Okay, let's just get that clear. No, um... I, yeah, I had graduated with a ministry degree from NNU over in Nampa, and I just remember saying, like, I'm not going to do youth ministry because everybody who graduates does youth ministry, and I'm a millennial, so I like to do it different than everybody, so, uh, but yeah, and, um, but then Jordan had approached me and talked to me about Riverhouse and shared the vision and the heart of what it was going to be, and something just really burned within me and really resonated, um, and really my heart turned from uh, like, here's my desires and here's my wants, which I actually talked to him about and I told him, so he was very aware. Um, and I told him, like, but above all, like, my heart is to serve this church and to serve uh, your vision, to serve what you want to see um, happen here in this people. Because I believed, um, I believed in God in Jordan. I believed that God had, had uh, created him um, to do this. And I was like, okay, so I'm bought in um, to what I see inside of you. Um, and really it was from that place of just being willing to serve wherever there was a need. So the two things I wasn't really sure I wanted to do, I told, I told him, uh, I don't want to do youth ministry, Jordan. And I also like, I'll help out with worship ministry, but I don't want to like keep doing that. Cause, um, I don't know. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but those are just two things that didn't feel like they resonated with me. Um, and those are the two things that I came on to do. And, uh, but yeah, over, I mean, we, sometimes we use language like, oh, man, over the course of the church, and it's been a long time. It's like we've only been around for like a year and eight months anyway, so not really over the course of a long time. Over the course of a short time, I uh, began to just feel um, God just tenderizing and changing my heart towards worship ministry. And you guys have been countered. You guys have come along with me in the journey um, of just really diving into, like, what does worship look like? Like, it doesn't have to look like songs. It doesn't have to look like a fast song and then four slow songs or like whatever. There's things like we want it to look like. It doesn't have to look like feeling emotional. Um, and we've talked about this a hundred times over, but um, so I've gone on that journey. God has changed my heart into what it means and just the joy and the honor and the beauty of what it is to worship him and to, to lead a congregation in it. Um, he really grew this passion inside of me. And so um, one staff meeting, I had been just praying about it and felt it so strongly. And I kind of went in there and I asked um, these guys to pray for me. And I was like, guys, I feel like I'm supposed to stand up and like, like, take my job of being Riverhouse's worship leader and to like really own it. Um, 
And they just went away and prayed about it and came back and they affirmed it in me. And ever since then, it's just been this sweet, beautiful journey of learning how to lead worship, how to lead a team, how to um, love people well. Um, So yeah, anyway, it it came out of a place of humility and willing to serve somebody else's vision, um, which is why it's become what it has and why God's really breathed anointing on it, I believe. So when Jordan came on, he just had graduated from from college, and I had come from Bethel, where the worship is unbelievable, and so I knew exactly in my mind what we were looking for for a worship leader, and it wasn't Jordan, and and he didn't want it anyway, and so so when he came on, I just saw he's just a young kid, he's got a lot to learn, and um, but watching what happened in him day by day as he just did what was in front of him, what needed to be done. Um, I, we just started seeing him just being transformed and getting empowered. And so when he came and, and said, you know, I'm kind of like feeling like this was, that my natural thing was, oh, no, wait a minute. Like, no, you're not the worship leader I was looking for. But then it was like the Lord just began to show me the passion inside of Jordan. And it was so beautiful because as soon as we prayed about it, we knew, oh no, he's our worship leader. There's no doubt in our mind. And as soon as he stepped into it, I am telling you, I have watched him. I have watched the anointing of God fall upon his life. I get blessed every single week through worship. And I know all of you do as well. And it was because he stepped into what needed to be done And then God began to ignite the the passion and the gifts inside of him. And then the anointing began to flow on him and through him. So I'm so proud of this boy and just watching what God has done. And that is the same thing, that as we step in to what the needs are, what needs to be done, because we are a new church. We are so many things that we don't know what we're doing and we need help. And so if, I think if we just step in and just get under the vision of Riverhouse, I believe that God will begin to ignite us and show us gifts that we're carrying that we didn't even know. And then it will begin to launch each of you because I truly believe with all my heart that every person in here has a destiny and I'm going to give everything I have and I know the rest of you feel the same to help you step into that destiny. So, Yeah, and just to be really practical with that, Ethan, I think... You know, revival groups are a great place to go, to plug in and say, what are the needs? How can I serve? How can I create your vision? And, you know, servanthood is what precedes promotion. And, you know, that's just the the uncomfortable truth really to it is God trains us in serving someone else's vision. And uh, that, that, that's his design, you know, but that's just there. It's humility. I mean, every person on the staff of the church has made either a huge leap of faith, turned away ministry opportunities, huge financial risk, turning um, like, you know, lock, lock, lack in salary, whatever that is, demotion in salary. Like there, it's been a, a pretty humbling path to even what has led people there, but it's been marked by God um, bestowing favor and, and there's just, that's just the mold of how things are going. So if you want promotion within this community, that's the best thing I can tell you is go, you know, find a leader and, and find a revival group and serve their vision. And that might not sound sexy, but that's the kingdom, you know, and it's beautiful. Like that's family and that's love. And that is um, the heart of this church. Um, I, I want to um, segue now kind of the last thing we want to speak of, and then we'll try to hit a few questions. And that is that uh, we as Riverhouse, what we just shared, this is the vision. Like this is what revival groups are meant to be. Um, but we are also uh, not even two years old yet. And so we're not even a toddler. And toddlers, you know, are usually a handful and a little immature. Um, but, but I would say we are a beautifully immature community. And we have a beautiful vision, and I believe it's an inspired vision, but we are not yet to the point of embodying it. And Jamie preached last week, Pastor Jamie, about being in the middle, who is blessed. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a powerful message. And we, as Riverhouse, are in the middle. And we, are, um, we have the vision, but we have not yet embodied it. And it's created this tension where, you know, the difficulty for us as a staff is at the beginning of the church, 
Um, we, we, we knew everyone. Uh, we, we knew your story. We knew what was going on. We could keep tabs. And we grew so quickly that now we don't know everyone. We don't have the capacity to personally shepherd and see you and know you and love you and champion you like our hearts desire. And so we've created revival groups to be this place but we don't have enough revival groups for all of you. And honestly, I own that. Uh, I, I recognize at one point, Lord, I did not put, I didn't have the foresight to see this growth. And so we're lagged behind. And we, the last six months, we've been actively working to try to produce very healthy um, leaders that are going to be able to grow these communities. And so we have, um, we have three right now. We have more that are fast approaching, soon to be birthed. Um, but we don't have enough right now. And so... We need grace, like a lot of grace as a staff, and we have so much grace for you because it's also created this tension of, who is my pastor? Where do I, you know, do I, am I connected to Jordan? Am I connected to Revival? Like, how, how, do, how do I do this? There hasn't been enough space, and so it's difficult, and it's put tension on all of us, and I'm going to ask um, my mom to share. I know it's been hard for you, and also, Suzanne, I'd like you to speak into this. Yeah, so the growth has been amazing and beautiful, and I thank God every day for it. But it's also been hard because in the beginning, I knew every one of you. I knew your stories. I knew your fears. And, and I stayed connected. And I knew if you weren't there. And now it's so big, I don't even know everybody's name. And, and sometimes I struggle. Um, they know I sometimes cry in staff meetings because it is really hard to watch the church get big. And I don't know if, if everybody's feeling known. And I want this to be home. I want you to walk in and feel like you have come home. And, and I don't know if that's happening with everybody. And so there are days that I really struggle. And I say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. Extend my reach. But I'm realizing that I have to let go. And I have to let each one of you find your place. And that's why I'm so, so excited about everybody becoming in a revival group. Because if you're not there, they're going to know you're missing. And they're going to connect with you. And so I'm learning how to do this. So I ask for grace in this season too. I'm having to draw boundaries and it's hard. And sometimes I feel like I'll let you, some of you down and I'm, you know, I, I can't meet or, but just know that I love you. I pray for you. I want us to all feel like we belong. So as we grow and figure out how to do this, please give me grace. Jordan shared this last service, but a good story of this is Robin. So early on, we would always we basically go through at staff meetings and pray for every single person. And obviously, as it got larger and larger, there was one Tuesday when like 45 minutes later, Robin's literally just name, 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 name. Lord, just bless them. Lord, just bless them. And just goes, that a list of like 300 people's names. Anyway, it's just hilarious. Yeah, I completely agree with Robin. I One of the things we probably discuss the most and pray about the most as a staff outside of, Lord, what is your will for this church, is how do we steward this well and how do we steward these people well? And I know, like, I spend a lot of time thinking about church culture, probably more than the average person. And one of the things I've been so conscious of as we've as we've built this community is I've, I've seen amazing, beautiful, big churches in the past really have a hard time with people coming and getting involved, disappearing for a couple weeks because they had something awful happen or they were going through something and nobody noticing and then feeling incredibly rejected. And my, I mean, my heart breaks when I think about that, when I hear about that happening at River House. And we have had conversation after conversation. How do we create a culture in which that doesn't happen? And honestly, I'm not sure. We, we talk about things. We talk about revival groups. That's the hope that people would be known. And and we encourage people to reach out when they're having a hard time. But this is something that we're still very much in the middle of, like we talked about. And we're still very much praying about and in process about. So just asking for that grace as we, as we continue to figure out how to do this. And just so you know, this is something we're very aware of. We want this to be a community where people feel so, so loved. And I wanted to add, too, because um, this is something I've been thinking about a lot. We've talked a little bit about mentorship in the past in this church and how important it is. And I will tell you that this is something that is so important and something that I think we don't really know how to do very well practically. We know it's good in theory, but not we don't know how to do it practically. And speaking from somebody my age, I know that we're just crying out for mentorship. And I know that the generation below me is crying out for mentorship. So we need to step 
out. And I just, I, I just thought I'd throw that out there because I think that there's really a lot of room in this community that we're creating where we have revival groups and we have this kind of two-space church for people to really engage in that space. So, That's so good, Suze. That's so good. Yeah, we, uh, we're very human and we're taking risk all the time in creating this and uh, it's vulnerable. I guess we just wanted to see like this is such a human divine creation, this culture, and we are so beautifully in process with the Lord and we just wanted to invite you into that process. And we're kind of running low on time, um, but I want to address a few of these questions because I think they are... Um, there's some super good ones here, and I'm not going to be able to get to all of them because there's quite a few. But uh, first is, will revival groups be open to other days of the week for those who can't make Thursdays? Uh, the answer is yes. We don't know when. Um, they're leader-driven, and so we give leaders the, uh, uh, the um, you know, the authority to make that decision. Uh, a lot of them are going to an every-other-week type rhythm, and there are going to be at least, I think there's going to be two more launching around uh, the early fall and uh, some more on the way. So there will be more opportunities presented uh, to answer that question. Um, one says, um, where do children fit into revival groups? Um, that is a great question and something we've actually spent quite a few time. We have a, a kind of a, a, a revival leadership um, team that's made up of uh, Justin Ross, who's one of the revival group leaders, and Jay Caruza is an intern who spends a lot of time with revival groups, and my mom and myself. And that's a question we have, and there are solutions coming to that. And again, this is so organic. Like, we are taking risk, stepping out in faith, trying to create something that we haven't really seen before. Um, and so um, I know that that's been a difficult one for some of you, and we just, again, ask for grace because we, we know that, we see that, and we're, we're trying to come up with creative solutions for how do we create it to where we're not just creating a bunch of more programs, but we're facilitating um, what God's wanting to do in those spaces. Um, there was one more I, I wanted to try to get to. Yeah, I was going to put this to you, Jordan. It says, what does Riverhouse staff do behind the scenes to prepare to share what God has each Sunday? How does God speak to you as you seek his will each week? So any of you want to take that? Uh, why are you laughing at me? <laughs> no, uh, it's actually, it's been, it, it blows my mind. So... A lot of stuff, first of all. There's a lot of intentionality um, that goes into what happens on a Sunday. Um, something I've learned, too, um, my desire to really move into, like, spontaneous really is just responding to what God's heart is. And God's heart isn't just, like, shown and revealed for a second, like, um, in the middle of worship, but it's really intentionally fostered in. So a lot of times um, when you might hear, like, a song or something come out of nowhere and it's like, oh, where are they singing that? The words aren't on the screen. Um, it's actually just comes out of intentionality by uh, praying and reading scripture and praying into the worship set throughout the week. Um, so just listening to what he's saying, um, it's been a joy and such a, it leaves me in awe every week um, of just seeing how, like, like last week um, with Jamie's sermon, what he went into, and then the worship set, and then the transitioning out of worship, like they just like fit so well together, and it was so beautiful, and that... Um, it's not planned is not really planned, and I feel like it's happened every week for two years straight, so uh, it's not like we are like intentionally trying not to talk about this stuff, but a lot of times um, where we'll go won't always be like exactly what we discuss throughout the week either, so it's kind of honestly, it's a, it's a very vulnerable and honestly a really scary place to be in sometimes. Um, every time we come out onto the stage, I'm always in the back, and I just pray like, Lord, like I don't feel able to do this on my own like if you don't come and breathe and do something then this means absolutely nothing so come and do what only you can do um, and it's really that place of humility and submitting to what uh, we feel like he's leading to do that directs where we go on a, a given Sunday night um, every day I know that I say to the Lord I cannot do what I have to do today unless you step in and so honestly, every single day, I sit before the Lord, and I say, Lord, I know I am your daughter, and I know I am loved, and I receive everything that I need to do today well. I want your heart, I want your love, and I just want to love your people well. And honestly, every day he shows up. 
No matter what is going on, I look at the end of the day and I said, you did it again. Like, wow, we made it through another day. And so everything about this ministry is completely relying on God. And I also want you to know that Jordan's sermons, I, I, every week I'm in awe. I leave going home and taking notes, just going, unbelievable. But I want to tell you, I know where his sermons come out of. He doesn't spend hours and hours and hours on his sermons. He spends hours and hours and hours on his face. And anytime I can't find Jordan, I know where to find him. He's either in the word or he's on his face. And so truly, his sermons every week come out of intimacy with the Father. And I have watched that for the last 10 years. The boys will all get together and they'll be like, let's do this, let's do that. Jordan's like, well, I'm, I'm gonna go in the room. And we're like, no, reading your Bible tonight. No, no, we are watching a movie tonight. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I think that is probably as much time as we have. Uh, if you do have more specific questions that you would love to ask in response to this, um, you can email info at riverhouseministries.com and one of us will get back to you. And we'd love to do that. Um, but we're just going to close. I'm going to ask my mom to pray for you all. And um, as she's praying, if you're on the ministry team, you can come forward. And then uh, when she says amen, you guys will all be dismissed. And if you do want to come and receive prayer, you're welcome to come. And we uh, always want to provide a space for you to receive ministry as well. So take it away. Yeah. So, Father, thank you for what you have done here. As I look around at this family that you have brought together, I know that we could never have done this, Lord, but I thank you that you have. And I thank you that you have handpicked every single person that is here. And that, God, we have been brought together for such a time as this. And, Lord, I just thank you that you have such big plans for Riverhouse. And it all starts with unity. It all starts with intimacy with you and intimacy with one another. And so, God, I look back and I am in awe of what you have done. But when I look to the future, I am excited about what you are still planning to do. And so, God, I pray that you help each one of us to see where we are to serve, to see where we are to lead, and help us to have the courage to just go where you ask us to go, to do whatever it is, Lord, that you put upon our heart, because we know that what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no mind can conceive, the things that you have planned for us. So, Lord, I thank you for these amazing people. And, God, I thank you that we are a family and that we get to do life together. We get to seek you together. And we get to love this city together. And we just praise you for what you've done. And yet we praise you for what you are yet to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.